welcome to another episode of the Unpublished Podcast. My name is Amy and today we have the incredible writer, author, human Lisa Oliveira on the podcast. Welcome Lisa. Thank you. It has been a long time coming and I'm just so glad that we finally made it happen. I know it's just so nice to just finally get to talk to you and be with you. I'm so so grateful that we get to have this chat. Okay. Where am I going to start? I'm just going to literally ask you how are how are you in creativity right now? Like how are you feeling creatively? Where are you? Yeah, I have been thinking about that a lot lately because I actually feel like very very creatively energized, which I hadn't felt for quite some time. Um, Mm -hmm. Mostly because I was pregnant and had a baby and was in postpartum. And that just kind of sucked all of the kinds of energy out of me for a while. And I felt this like deep longing to get back to writing and sharing and just expressing myself in some way other than caregiving. Um, And it came back like very full force a couple of months ago. And I've just been feeling this like desperation to, to write and to create and to just be in that space. And, Mm -hmm. you know, with the time constraints of motherhood and the energy constraints of that, it's been a new, a new way of figuring out like how that fits into my life. But I think because of the time constraint, it's, even more obvious and apparent to me now how like how necessary and critical it is um Mm. and just how like how deeply in love I am with the process of writing and creating like not even just not even for anyone else not even for an outcome or anything but just yeah like I get this feeling when I sit down to write that I don't get anywhere else Mm. um and it feels so yeah, so much stronger now that there's less time to do it in a way. It's so interesting. I have two questions that came from that. The first one is I'm interested by this like desperation to create that kind of like, oh my God, I have to do it. What does that feel like for you? And do you ever feel like, I know for me personally, I get this like real like, when I have a lot of creative energy, I get this like urgency, then it's like a very good feeling, but it can also push me over the edge to like, I want to push really hard and it's like such a it's such an urgency that I get quite I can exhaust myself and I'm wondering what that kind of feels like for you and your body and does it feel like urgency or have you managed to kind of contain it in a way that allows you to find some pace with it like how does that desperation feel to you I definitely do get that urgent like have to do it now feeling which can be tricky when it's like the process doesn't always work with urgency. Um, So it's like, I feel that sense of urgency. And I have to remind myself that there actually is not like, there won't be an emergency if I don't get to something right away. And I'm not going to like lose it. And I think that is like some of the fear that comes up around that urgency is like, I have to do, I have to do this now or I'll miss it or I'll forget it or it'll pass and I won't get it again. So it almost turns creativity into this like tangible thing that I either have or don't have, Um, which again is something that I'm constantly like trying to reframe and hold in a different way. And I'm trying to relate to it as like just this part of me that I can interact with and relate to and utilize and tap into whenever I want to. Whenever you want. Um, Which feels so different than that sense of like, there's not enough time, there's not enough space, there's not enough stuff to do. There's that sense of like lacking. Um, oh my God. Yes. Which Just always makes scarcity. me like create things that don't even, that don't even actually feel natural to come out at that time. If that makes sense. Totally. I think so many creatives. And as I said, like me included, we get this feeling of like, it's excitement. And then we almost mistranslate it as something that's going to be fleeting, or it's urgent, like the excitement and the feeling of creativity, because it's such a big feeling, like we try and hold on to it when we don't need to hold on so tightly, like it's inherent. And I speak to so many, some incredibly successful creatives who, who have this like, very, 
unstable relationship with their creativity because they believe that it's so fleeting and they don't trust it to stay around. And then they burn out because they're constantly chasing their creativity. They're constantly chasing these ideas. When if they stood still, I think they'd realize that these ideas don't go anywhere. It's almost like when we move to chase them, they move. But if we stood still, they didn't move. Like when you try and like, you know, get those funny things in your eyes, when you like, look, it goes away. It's like, if you just stood still, it would stay with you. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. That's how it feels energetically too. It's like when, like when I can sort of settle into the fact that it will never run out and it will never disappear as long as I stay open to it and stay open to almost like being a vessel for it. Um, Mm -hmm. it, it feels so much more natural and so much less scary and less pressured, um, which I've just found is really, really important when it comes to like creating in ways that actually feel aligned and true for me and not in ways that are pressured, um, which has been an ongoing practice and, you know, one that I'm not perfect at at all. And one that I have to pay really close attention to Mm. um, because I want to honor yeah, I want to honor like the the things that I'm really longing to say and the things that I'm really longing to explore through creative practice. Um, and I've spent a long time almost like associating my creative practice with being of service and with offering to other people, which has felt both like such a gift and also I think in stepping away from that a little bit in some ways, I've really noticed like the grip that it had on me for a long time. So I also feel like in this sort of new season of exploring creativity from like the other side of postpartum and from reconnecting to myself again, that I'm, yeah, also just wanting to not like, I'm wanting to sort of recenter myself in it a little bit more. Yeah. I love that. Um, Yeah. I think from my perspective, so much of my writing, again, it, it it initially came from very intrinsic motivation and it came from wanting to self-soothe myself and this writing wanted to take care of me. And then when it started to connect with people over time, I think it, it moved from an intrinsic place to an extrinsic because, and then I was constantly doing it and creating to serve others. And it didn't necessarily feel bad all the time, but I, yeah. it feels different. And I think, you know, there's a lot of talk around or always create, you know, for yourself, not for others. And I think that's almost a bit too simple a binary. Like I love to create yeah. for others, but there does feel different when I come from a place within me first. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like I can go further when I start with me. And also it always accidentally serves others. Like it's yeah. not a selfish thing to start with you ever. And I think art that starts with you can be of profound service. Um, but yeah, I definitely felt myself just with the connection I was having online, like that intrinsic, extrinsic motivation kind of changing a little bit over time. It's really interesting. Yeah. But I think that when it's almost like when you're in conversation with yourself and other people at the same time, it's so apparent as someone who is taking in other people's art or creativity that that there is like this personal connection to it, which makes it a lot easier to take it in, in a Mm. deep way, in a real Mm. way. And I know I feel that so much with you, like so much of what you share so obviously comes from like your whole being and from your experience and from things that you're asking questions about and things that you're moving through as a creative. And I think that's part of what drew me to your work like years ago in the first place was, yeah, like your willingness to, to share from a real place and to share some of the things that maybe we're just for your exploration at first, mm. but that we're not only for you because so many people are sort of exploring the same things in their own yeah. ways. Yeah. Thank you. That really means a lot. Yeah. I always like, you know, I want to get caught up in this, how, you know, how can I connect the best or how can I make the most impact? And I can get very attached to that kind of thing as we all can. I come back to like, okay, what's the most vulnerable and generous thing that I can do? And the vulnerability is like, that part of it is like the little piece of me and then the generosity is kind of and I understand that that little piece of me will reflect a lot of other people too and I, I'm really grateful for those words because I feel like that kind of comes back to that and that I've created vulnerably and generously and I'm very grateful for that thank you 
Yeah. Yeah. I think those values are so obvious mm-hmm. in your work. And I think they are obvious when, yeah, when anyone moves from that place, I think it's just like, it shows and it's, um, it just makes the process of creating and receiving a lot more, a lot more connected and a lot more true and more real mm-hmm. and, um, which Very isn't human. easy to do. Yeah. It's not easy to have that translate in that way when, yeah you're constantly bombarded with information. It's not easy to actually like be able to connect and drop in yeah. with something someone shares. So it's such a gift um, when you're able to do that. Yeah. I mean, ditto, Lisa, like your work s- screams that to me as well. Like just, yeah. I see, I see you and your words and I, and you know, people, I guess I've had the blessing of people telling me, like, I feel like I know you and I feel like I know you, you know, and that, I think that's, that's evident because we give a little bit of ourselves in the art we share and it's so beautiful. Yeah. Very, mm-hmm. very, very grateful for your words. Um, how are you going in the process of sharing at the moment and sharing your words and your creativity? Like what's your relationship with that right now? It's interesting because I've, I guess it's been almost a year now that I've been sharing like a little bit longer format in a newsletter and sharing a little bit less on social media, which is where I was sharing like really often for years. Um, and I, I still share there pretty often, but I have loved like giving myself a little bit more space to explore and write just in a longer, uh, more intentional way. And Mm -hmm. in a way that doesn't feel it's still on the internet and available for people's reading, but for some reason it being in a separate space from social media makes it feel less, um, almost like less, like it's just being blasted at everyone and more like people are opting in to see it. Um, yeah. Like they've picked up, picked up a book from a shelf or something very intentional. Yeah. Yeah. And that has actually made it just feel a little bit I don't know if the safer is the right word, but it's made it feel uh, like I felt a lot more comfortable sharing a little bit more than I might be used to sharing in other formats. Um, And I've loved that. And I've also just been doing a lot of writing that I'm not sharing with anyone, like journaling and writing that I will never show anyone, which I stopped doing for a while um, Mm -hmm. because I was so focused on like creating content and creating work for other people that there just wasn't enough time to only do it if it wasn't for a reason, which sounds really sad now that I say it, but gosh, like remembering that I'm enough of a reason to create and that it doesn't have to be for anybody else has been so profound to remember. And it's like, I know that I know that consciously, but when you get into the space of creating publicly for so long, it can be really easy to remember that they're actually like, you need to be included in the people that you're creating for. Oh my um, God, yes. Yeah. It's so like, I even struggle, like I have this issue too, and it definitely comes up a lot. And I'm grateful for like a painting practice and a drawing practice at the moment. That's really just for me. Um, but it's still hard to like convince myself that this fuck, it's just, it's the productivity narratives. It's the hustle narratives. It's yeah. everything, right? Like what's the point of this? Can this be content? Do you know how frequently yeah. my brain says, could this be content? <laughs> Shut I know, up. I Shut know. up. <laughs> yeah. It's fucked up. It's so, I know I have that too. Yeah. I'll, I started like, doing pottery. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I'll go through like something <laughs> really like fucked up and I'm like really in a bad space and I'm like crying. And there's a voice in my head being like, you know what? This, this could be content. <laughs> like, let me process. I know that voice comes in way too quickly sometimes. It really does. Um, yeah. I was just going to say that I started doing pottery just for fun, um, like six, seven months ago. And that has really illuminated how hard it is to create something just for me. Um, like the amount of time I have to spend to convince myself that it's okay to go do that, even though no one is going to know that I'm doing it and it's not going to help anybody. And it's not going to, it's not going to be seen by anybody. And just the amount of time I have to remind myself that it's not a waste of time and that it's okay. And that it's actually like really important to have that practice um, is astounding sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's wild. 
It is wild and it's something we need. I'm so glad we're having this conversation because we just, we do need the reminder so frequently that I loved what you said just then. We are allowed to do things that don't serve anyone and that don't help anyone. I think for a lot of us, like there's that pressure of like, if it's not serving, if it's not helping, then it shouldn't be done. It doesn't have worth. And it's just such a potent story. And it's, it's so, it's so quietly and like secretly damaging. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think so much like it can serve someone, but that person can just be you like that. It can just serve you. Like, can you be included in the someone that it can serve? Like how often we forget that. Yeah. Like we have to be included in the people we're of service to. (laughs) It's it's bizarre. It's so bizarre. Such an important reminder. I literally have, do I have it? I wrote down on a post-it note somewhere that I hung on my wall. I'm not sure where it went. Maybe I took it inside, but I wrote down. Oh, here it is. Yeah. It says being of service must include you. How are you of service to yourself? (laughs) Literally because I need the reminder all the time. (laughs) We do. We, we all need that post-it on our wall. I think art is seen as so uh, self-indulgent in so many ways. And there's a lot of narratives around it being like, uh, yeah like self-indulgent and just for you and like even when we're so we try and almost compensate you know with our frivolous activities and we try and make them of service and we make sure that everything that we're doing can be of service to others um, because of these very like potent narratives around art being silly or or it being childlike or something but you know it's just it's narratives we just have to break down and they're so false but they are so convincing yeah so convincing and I try to remind myself that it's okay that those narratives don't go away. Like they may never go away. And it's, it's okay that I need to remind myself a lot. And that doesn't mean that there's something wrong or that you're failing or that you're not trying hard enough or you don't know enough, but that's just part of the ongoing practice. Um, And that can be a little bit relieving when it feels, yeah. When that narrative feels extra loud for me. I love that. I often get asked, you know, especially when it comes to talking about my journaling practice, like oh, I've been journaling for so long about this narrative, but it just keeps coming up. Like how long do I need to journal to eradicate narratives? And I'm like, I have to, <laughs> it's just not that linear. And I, and I don't know that the, the aim, as you said, is to even eliminate the narratives. I think it's to have a voice that takes care of you when they come up and to have a voice that shares, you know, truth and other narratives that support us more. But, you know, I have had, I've been journaling for like, I think nearly five years straight every single day and I will like at least once a week probably more uh, deal with my narratives around like hustle and productivity and you know I don't think that means that I haven't failed in obliterating this narrative but I don't think I can obliterate this narrative the culture I live in is too saturated with it it will come up again and again and again what I have found through journaling is my strength my own truth my own beliefs that I can sit in and take care of myself within when these narratives do pop up and the narratives popping up isn't the failure it's it's um how I can support myself when they do that's the work yes a thousand percent and I think that's true in so many so many different things including creative practice I know that yeah like letting it be okay that it may always be challenging in some ways and that I may always have to face things that I don't want to face in order to show up for the work that I want to do. Um, For a long time, I think some of those narratives deterred me from trying at all because I assumed that there was no point until they were gone and that I wouldn't be able to do it until they were gone. When actually like moving through those things over and over and over again only allows whatever you do to become just more rich and more true and more real and more human and less, uh, less black and white. Like we often think it needs to be, to be anything or to be meaningful. Um, so that's something that I am like constantly reminding myself of is like, it's okay that this is still here. And how can I show up with it? How can I show up in relationship with this thing so that it doesn't actually stop me from doing the things I want to do? Um, even if it doesn't ever go away, which I think is like totally, not what we're really taught. We're taught to just eradicate everything that's hard, which like you said, in the culture we live in is not possible. And Mm -hmm. it it inherently assumes that we are the problem, which we're not. Um, Yeah. 
Oh, fuck. That was a lot of wisdom. I really love that. And I just, (laughs) (laughs) I'm so grateful for your brain. Like, yes, you're right. And I, and I see again, I see it myself. I see it in so many of the creatives that I work with and get to witness. It's that when I can, um, you know, dissolve this narrative about creatives being poor, then I can be a creative that makes money. Whereas like, we can't be destroying these narratives, these belief systems, and then doing the work. It's like, this is this is the beauty of living this life is we have to face these hardships and these narratives uh, each day again because they are so many of them are external we're just going to come across them there's nothing we can really do about it and how can we hold ourselves and take the action and do the scary brave vulnerable generous thing as as we face them so love that lisa such a good reminder (sighs) all right I actually really wanted to bring this topic to you today and I feel like we've already kind of touched upon it a little bit but I often speak to creatives and have very hard difficult conversations with creatives who say how could I create how could I dare to write how could I dare to paint how could I dare to try and make money off my art when the world is in such a state when climate change is as it is like And I often speak to these are creatives who are also maybe simultaneously lawyers or, um, you know, in professions where they feel they could make a very direct impact on a lot of these problems. And Mm -hmm. they feel that it would be almost morally wrong for them to chase what their heart is desperately asking them to chase um, because they feel that their duty is to take action in a much more obvious way against a lot of these systemic and global issues. Do you have any thoughts on that? It's a really big one. I'm sorry to land that on you. Yeah, no, 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 no. That's, I think, something so many people are exploring, myself included. Uh, I think it was nine months ago, I actually stepped away from my therapy practice. And all I've been doing the last nine months is, I mean, I shouldn't say all I've been doing. I've been being a mother, which is not nothing, but <laughs> nope. I've just been writing. Like I've been writing. That's, that's been the work that I've been doing. Um, and when I decided to step away from my therapy practice, some of the th- thoughts that came up were like, if I'm not doing this, then I'm not contributing enough to, to healing, to nourishment, to holding space, to support, to change to the things that are needed in the way that I was used to doing it, which was by supporting individuals and moving through the world. Um, And I think, you know, there is something to, especially people who identify as creatives, I think have the biggest hearts, the most compassion, the deepest empathy. And it's incredibly painful to look around at the world and see everything that's going on and not want to do everything you can to heal it and to nourish, nourish people and change and eradicate the things that are keeping so many of us trapped. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that because of the systems we live in, we've been taught that it is our individual responsibility to fix systemic issues. And that if we are not sacrificing our entire selves and lives to do so, we're not doing enough. And I don't believe that that's true. Um, Mm. Again, it's not a binary because it's not, it's not like we want to do nothing and assume that that's aligned with our values. If it's not, Um, of course, we want to show up and, and do what we can, but I think that there's a way in which we assume that means taking on all the responsibility that perhaps isn't ours and neglecting the things that we're called to do, which often includes creativity. And I also just, I think about how art and creativity are not valued in our society. So we assume that they're not valuable to people and that they're not meaningful or supportive or world changing. I know. And I think about some of the things that actually keep me going and keep me grounded and keep me um, keep me aligned and taking the actions that I can take and not doing more than that and not doing less than that. And so many of those things are artists, our writers, our books, are, you know, people sharing their music and art and selves with the world in that way that I think makes such a deeper impact than any of us really know it does. Mm. Um, even myself, for example, sometimes I'm like, what am I doing? I'm writing this stupid newsletter. Like, who cares? Look at all these bigger things going on. Maybe I should devote all of my time to that. 
And then someone will email me saying like your writing supported me through the last two years of depression or like someone just said that yesterday. And I, I read things like that. And I'm like, how can I say that this doesn't matter? Mm-hmm. Like, who am I to say that this isn't important enough when people sharing their work in the ways that they can and do with the world is incredibly important to even just one person. And like, can that be enough of a purpose? I think it was Elizabeth Gilbert who was talking about um, like what our purpose is in the world and how we can assume that it is to change everything, but perhaps it's a lot smaller than that. And she talked about how she was walking through Los Angeles and saw a man on a ladder painting and the ladder was wobbly and she stood there for 20 minutes holding the ladder without him knowing and walked away. And she was like, what if that was my purpose in the world? Like, what if that was the work that I'm here to do? What if it's not to eradicate world hunger, which needs to happen in some shape or another, but maybe that's not the thing I have to do in order to be valuable and enough. Um, So I think those are like kind of all over the place responses, but no. That's just what initially comes up. And that's, yeah. I think a question I explore a lot and what I do too is like, I have a pretty big platform. Should I be using it for some other purpose? Um, which I think just is a way of bypassing the importance of sharing our creative expression and how that is a way of contributing to the world. Yeah. I mean, I just... I have shivers thinking about so much of this and I also have a lot of grief because I look at creatives who just deeply misunderstand how important their work is and who have really just believed and taken in these stories about how unimportant and insignificant their art is. Um, Even art that isn't shared, like we just don't understand, I think, and we've been really misled in terms of understanding the importance of creativity and it's so sad and I grieve like I really grieve like I've worked with some creatives this year particularly and so many of them have felt the weight of the world on their shoulders like literally the weight of like millions of lives on their shoulders I can't write romance books there's a climate crisis like I just don't my heart doesn't know what to do with that like it just breaks me and because yeah. it is such a big, complicated and very nuanced issue, like it's just it, it almost overwhelms me. But there's something in me that just absolutely cries out when I when I hear creatives in this confuddlement and this deep belief that they can't do what they've been. And I mean, these people are just dying to create because it's what they're here to do. And yet they yeah. keep stopping themselves. It's in self-indulgent. No, there's more important things. No, it's just. I just can't like it's one of the biggest things that's happened to me this year is working with creatives with this pain and it has been just it's been huge to navigate it yeah very it is so huge and I think the the grief of it is so real um and I think it's a it's an act of service to the world to let yourself feel the grief of it and to let yourself feel like the impossible predicament of it and Mm -hmm. to acknowledge like how, what an honest look you have to be willing to take in order to feel that to begin with, Mm -hmm. um, which is a gift in and of itself. And I also think that, you know, I don't know if there are clear answers to some of these things, like you said, it's like, it's so nuanced and so complicated and there could be many answers to it, but I, I wonder, like, I just think about what would be missing from the world if we weren't all willing to show up for the things we're called to do, no matter what it is. Yeah. Um, and what a gift it is to show up to the things that make you feel alive in, in response to a world that wants us to feel like that wants us to feel like nothing. Yeah. Like what, what an act of resistance to do that. Yeah. You know, Trisha Hersey, the Nat ministry talks about rest as resistance. Mm-hmm. And I think creativity and choosing to show up for it is an act of resistance too. Yeah. It's like, I'm not going to let these systems that don't want us to live fully 
stop me from doing the thing that makes me feel the most alive. Like I'm not going to let them. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, sorry. Yeah. Like that doesn't, that doesn't eradicate the, all the change that needs to take place. And I think it does remind us, um, that there's room for more than there's room for more than one thing to be true at the same time. Yeah. I love that. I um, agree. I mean, I feel like I've said it so many times this year, but to me, creativity is one of the most big, bold and bravest forms of rebellion that we have. And creativity is called for rebellion. Creativity is, you know, is, is creates huge, profound change in so many ways. And we undervalue the idea that creativity can be political, that it can, you know, literally make actual change in the world. Like art has continuously, since humans have been humaning, been changing the shape of the world. And yet yeah. we we think, oh, it's frivolous. Yeah, really, really big conversation. And as you're right, there is no right answer, but I think there is a wrong answer. And I think the wrong answer to this is not creating. I don't think yeah. not creating is ever the answer. I really don't think that you could ask me any question where I'm like, the answer to that is just straight out, never create in your life. Like, I just don't think that the answer to this is I don't do what my heart desperately wants me to do. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people, their creativity does take the form of certain kinds of activism. Yes. Like that is creative and that is their expression of it. Yeah. And not everyone's expression of it is writing a romance novel, but for some people that is. And it's like, I think we also have to remember too that there are other people who are meant to do the other things that are needed to, to be done. It doesn't all have to come from us when that may not be our gift. That may not be what we are called to do. Um, so it's like, can we trust other people to take on what they're called to do as well, which will contribute in, in ways that we may not be called to, but that other people are. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Trusting. We're all, I mean, that's the beauty of what a diverse and wild and wonderful human race we are like so we're all called to do something so different and just to listen to your deep desire to make whatever it is your deep desire is saying like trust it like it's there for a reason I love that yeah (sighs) thank you Lisa um I really want to talk about being a humble creative and I want to talk (laughs) a little bit about taking up space and almost Mm -hmm. like I would love to kind of maybe steer direction towards like introversion as well and being a quiet creative. Um, but let's start with the humble creative. Cause I, I know you've written some stuff on this recently. That was just so beautiful. What do you, what are your thoughts on the humble creative? Um, it is an ongoing struggle for me. Um, and I think I feel so obnoxious saying it sometimes because it's like, I've had, I've had a pretty large platform for five and a half plus years and it's still hard for me. And I, I, I think about like how, like so many people want to have a huge platform and may know how to wield it a lot better than I do. And yet I have it. And I struggle with being seen still struggle with self-doubt still struggle with like letting the work that I do, like even even right now I like can't say it I'm like I struggle with saying that like I'm good at what I do um and I think there is there's just so many messages from all different sides about what it means to show up for your work what it means to believe in your work what it means to promote your work um and depending on what what identities you hold, it's even more com- complicated. Um, but I think, yeah, the idea of being a humble creator for a lot of us means being quiet about the things that we have to offer and not being too proud, not being too excited about it, not, um, yeah, like not taking up too much space. Yeah. And I know for me, like, literally every single time I share something, it is a practice of like, it's okay to do this and it's uncomfortable. And that doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong by sharing about the work that you're doing. Um, but I think people can, can get this idea that like, 
if they just had a bigger platform or if they just had more eyes on them or if they just had more validation, then maybe it would feel easier. And like, as someone who has what I consider like a lot of eyes on, maybe other people wouldn't think so, but I do yeah. um, because I feel like I have like a really small, quiet personality and life. And so having a lot of eyes on me doesn't feel still like doesn't feel natural, but it's, yeah, it's an ongoing practice of like figuring out ways to step into my work and to own the work that I do and to, to share, um, without like shrinking Shrinking, as much as I might naturally want to. Yeah. I think a lot of creatives, particularly shy or introverted or just, just quiet creatives feel that they can either be humble and quiet and just hope that people notice them or that the opposite of that is like being like the extroverted boss bitch who like takes up space in like all these big ways and like and so they're like well that's not what I want to do that isn't who I am so they revert to that again it's like this black and white that just doesn't serve us and I'm interested Mm -hmm. in in what does how does it feel good for you to I mean it's never going to feel good of course it's going to be discomfort because this is such a brave and vulnerable thing to do but in what ways do you lean towards what feels like the most Lisa in terms of taking up space and being excited about your work and articulating that your work is incredibly good and incredibly useful like how do you like to take up space in that way or how are you learning to that isn't like that boss bitch like extroverted like we don't have to go down that route Yeah, I think part of it is just being really transparent around how like, that's not me and how often that's how we're taught to show up and like, what's it like to show up for our work and to take up space and be seen and be heard from a place that maybe isn't so like big and boisterous, but is still like willing to put yourself out there. And I think, like you said, for a long time, I did think it was I even like thought it was very black and white. And I thought that, yeah, like I had to change myself in order to continue being seen, even though like I am, I don't think I've changed myself even with having more eyes on me. I still feel like I, I feel like people know that I'm shy and I feel like people know that I'm introverted and it's, I don't know how I make it obvious. I guess I just, I guess I share about it a lot. Yeah, too. You like do. I, I, I share about the process of like being someone who has a platform, who's not like what you would picture as someone with a big audience. I share about like struggling showing up for the work that I do and, you know, having a hard time promoting my work and all of that. Mm. And I think, I guess that's part of how I take up space as someone who's more quiet and, and introverted is like including that in the space that I take up um, and not shying away from like sharing that process and from sharing about how, like, yeah, what it looks like to do that, even if it's kind of fumbly and awkward and not uh, not what many people might consider like cool or inspiring. It's like, I think just being willing to be honest about it um, has helped me. I think so like had... not not performing I guess yes yes and I I think what we've had like oh, we've been taught that like performance and like you have to be shiny and like marketing is or putting yourself out there is like very like curated and very like perfect structured thing that you have to do so like when I teach about marketing like books or like any kind of art people ask me about like like very structured ways in which you can be witnessed. But I think what we're learning in this like very changing uh, world we're living in, where we can be witnessed in such raw, in much more raw ways, is that, and like, this sounds so gross and I don't want it to sound like icky, but like marketing can just be like being witnessed and seen vulnerably and truthfully. And like you just, that that is a way in which people can connect with you and be and witness you and it, I think it's a really actually very successful way of doing it because people want to connect with someone real um and yeah. if you ask a creative who just doesn't want to have like this you just don't have to be this extroverted particularly well versed in business kind of creative you can just let yourself be honestly and vulnerably seen and I think you can, can create incredible connection through doing that as Lisa has and as I have as well it's really interesting Yeah. It's so funny because when I was promoting my book or like trying to promote my book, because it was, (laughs) it was, uh, (laughs) yeah, it was not the easiest thing, but 
Like one of the, I remember one of the posts that I shared was about getting a message from someone who said like, really loved your work until you started talking about your book so much. And I remember sharing a screenshot of that and sharing about how that like confirmed my biggest fear about sharing about my book. And that post led to like the biggest increase in book sales <laughs> like that whole month. And my publisher was like, what did you, I was like, I don't know why that led to book sales, but that at first they were like, I don't know if you want to share that, but I was like, that's, that's what my process is. And that's, yes. that's what I struggle with in promoting. And it feels, that's what feels most aligned to share. And it did connect with people. And I think partially because I don't think a lot of people like are willing to just be honest about the harder parts of it. And yes, it's beautiful. some people say that it's like, quote, vulnerability porn, which I hate that whole concept, but yeah, I'm just, I, I just find it to be relieving to just be honest. Um, it's like when you're just honest, I don't know, there's a relief there for oh me. At God. Least. I, I completely agree when you're just, just letting yourself be seen, especially in harder moments, there's so much relief for me. And I think what yeah. you're saying with your publishers and like, I think a lot of creatives get this kind of feedback. I have had this feedback before. Um, you're not going to really sell anything if you keep sharing, how, you know, stuff about your mental health. You're not going to be trusted as someone in this community if you're letting people know that you're having like panic attacks on the regs. And, it, and I've been told that multiple times. And I'm like, first of all, that's really fucked up. But secondly, like, it's actually just not true. Like people yeah. are, people want to connect with people. And people, and right. I think we're getting a bit confused with like, well, we're artists, like we're not a brand. Like, I'm not Microsoft, I'm Amy. Like, and that yeah. gives me so much more space to be witnessed as Amy and you as Lisa. Mm -hmm. And I think that creatives are going into this and selling their art and letting themselves be seen with kind of a, an almost like, misunderstanding it's like you are not apple yeah. you're not a big brand you are you and you're allowed to let yourself be seen as you and you're allowed to yeah be witnessed in some of those harder moments and they can be incredible moments not just for your audience because they get permission and they get insight but also for you yeah 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 and I think it's it's also just important to like to pay attention to what is aligned and true and resonant for you, because it's mm. not going to look the same as it does for me. Like yeah. someone else might not want to share about a shitty message that they got from some random person oh, yeah. on Instagram as part of like sharing about their book. Someone else may feel more comfortable having like scheduled posts yes. that are really kind of what some would say are basic or boring or like mm. traditional, like, but that might work yeah. for someone. Yes. Um, that may be what someone feels most comfortable and most aligned with doing. So it's like, yeah, it's not even about there being one right way to promote or share or, or show up or be humble or whatever it is. But it's, it's like, how can you do it the most you mm. like, how can, how, what would it look like if, if you did it from your whole self mm. without needing it to look the way it does for someone else, like what would that look and feel like? Um, I think that's a question that I ask myself a lot. Yeah. So on along the same lines, a question I like to ask myself is like, what rules do you want to break? Like what, what mm -hmm. like stories are coming up that you would rather just like either avoid or like completely fuck around with? Um, yeah. And, it, and it's so, it's so creative. Like when you really look at like, okay, what, look at your shoulds like list the shoulds and then be like okay well how can I fuck with all of these and that kind of leads yeah. you in it's a great it's a great prompt for leading you into like how do you want to do this because you mm -hmm. get to do it how you want to do it you like this is yeah. a part of the creative process like you can do it how you want to like how do you want to play with this how do you want to fuck around with this and it's actually so mm -hmm. exciting so terrifying but also like so exciting yeah. I love that idea of writing out like what you think you should do, what you think you're supposed to do. And then asking, okay, but actually what if you didn't do that? Like yeah. what else could happen? And like go crazy with it. Like invert, yeah. like invert them. Like what's the opposite of that should, and then see how that one fits. And then it's mm -hmm. like, okay, well maybe that one feels incredible. And you're like, yes, I want to completely invert this and break this rule. Or maybe you find somewhere in the middle and it just, it opens all doors. And I think for so many yeah. creatives, we've been told that there's like one very, very thin route to creative yeah. uh, fulfillment and creative success. 
But actually, it is. there's never been a bigger world of opportunity and fun and play. We're creatives. Like, we have the whole world to play with. But we've been squished into a very, very small little corridor of, of what we should be doing. And it's very sad oh. because we have so much to give. Yeah. I think another thing that helps me, like, stay tuned into what feels right and true for me is remembering that I don't have to be for everyone. And if I want to be for everyone, then yes, I should follow this strict schedule. I should do reels and it, like, I should do all these things in a certain way, in a way that's really digestible for the biggest amount of people. But it's like, I don't want to be for everyone. I want to yeah. be for the people who see me share about something that I'm struggling with in terms of promoting my book and connect with those people. Cause those are yes. my people. Yeah. Like my people are not the ones who are going to look at that and think that it's dumb or think that it's like unnecessary. Like those are not, why would we want them? People that I write to or for like that's, and it's, those are the people for someone else. So it's like also, yeah. It's like when you let yourself show up as you, even if it isn't the way that you think you're supposed to, or the way that you think is the most successful or whatever it may be, like, that's how you find the people that connect with you yes when you dare to like break rules or when you dare to really let yourself be seen yeah you do let go of people who are not for you and but you do find those who are for you and god that's a hard process especially as you said and I love what you said about creatives so sensitive we're often the most empathetic we're very like we're just the most precious human beings because our creativity gives us yeah. so much vulnerability, which means a lot of time we are like people pleasers and we do want everyone to feel comfortable and safe in our spaces. But a big part of this journey is just understanding that that is not a fair expectation on you or your art. <laughs> it's yeah. like so unrealistic. Yeah, yeah. And it's so hard to remember that in the moment when, yeah, when you have to face feedback that maybe doesn't feel so great, but- yeah. I don't know. There is also just like a release of pressure to remember that that's actually not even about you. And it's not like, you don't have to hold that. Yeah. And again, it's almost like, it's almost the same feeling for me of like chasing down ideas or chasing down creative inspiration It's chasing down people who do not want my art. (laughs) Like how exhausting. (laughs) Like let them go. You're never going to get them anyway. (laughs) They're not for me. Why am I exhausting myself worrying about why they maybe don't resonate with what I have to create? It's like, just let go. And the energy we receive back to ourselves when we just stop this pushing and, and chasing is just, oh my God, like, I'm so much more free. (laughs) Yeah. And I think so much, like, I think you've been such a good model for that and just such a good teacher of that for, as someone who like takes in your work and Mm. um, has learned so much from you and has, yeah, it almost feels like, uh, it's like you mirror that it's okay to just be who you are as a creative and that if who you are doesn't fit the mold of what you think it's supposed to be that like maybe that's actually part of the gift that you have and mm. not something to try and shy away from or hide oh my gosh um, yeah. I think we become the most boring versions of ourselves creatively when we keep trying to be palatable and but yeah, yeah it is the strongest most seductive pull it's like oh I just really want to make sure everyone everyone how could literally what you say like I want this post to be like really widely accepted and I want it to be widely loved like if I keep going towards that route in terms of just like if I'm talking about what I'm posting on social media like I will become the most like beige version of who I am and that's not to say that's not to say I need to be like on purpose uh like divisive or anything like that I think like that's a whole other route like I just get to be (laughs) me and like it will draw and attract what I need and who needs me and that's a really beautiful natural thing that happens with art. Mm-hmm. Gotta yeah. let it happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I I also just all the time remind myself that like there are so many musicians and bands that I just don't particularly like and that other people are obsessed with. And it doesn't <laughs> mean that they're bad, but if they tried to, if they tried to cater to me, like I would still probably never listen to them because it's just yes. not my thing. Um. So yeah, it's like such a missed opportunity when we forget that it's okay to just show up fully as who we are in what we do. Such a missed and let that be for the people it's for. Yes. Like this is this is what it is. 
I love that. Yeah. And I also, I am, one of my favorite practices is to, if I'm really struggling with this sort of thing, which I do, again, these narratives don't go away. Like the self-doubt will come back up again sometime. I'll be triggered because yeah. I love to go watch author, my favorite authors and go look at their one star or even like two, three star reviews. Oh my gosh. Yes. I yes. love doing that. I'm like, oh my God, this is literally the best book I've ever read in my life. Yeah. Someone <laughs> I do that all the time. Rash. <laughs> yeah. That's such a good reminder. It's so helpful to, yeah, so to look helpful. at something I consider to be a masterpiece and see how many people just drag it on Amazon or on Goodreads. And like, yeah, you literally cannot, like, you could try as hard as you want. You will never, ever be for everyone. <laughs> and so I'm many talking to myself here too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not saying this as someone who's like figured it out either. It's, uh, it's I've an never, ongoing practice. I've never figured anything out, but I've, no. I'm good with that. <laughs> yeah, same, same. Yeah. Oh, Lisa, I don't even know how long we've been talking. I could. What is time? This. I don't know. What, what, what even is time? I don't um, know. I would love to invite you to kind of talk to you about your Substack. What's there? Actually, really quickly before I make you promote yourself. Um, I would love to just really quickly talk about putting a price on your work. I know we've kind of touched on that. Yeah. Um, but it's something I've been talking about a lot. I've been talking about a lot about um money and creatives this last few months. I've been teaching a few intensives on it. And I noticed you shared an incredible post the other day about just how this conversation about artists and money is so rife with narratives about how we are undeserving. And I was just wondering how you, what your relationship is with being paid to be the incredible creative and artist that you are. Yeah. It, it took me years to do that. Like I had thought about creating something like Substack or Patreon or something for mm -hmm. literally years. And for so long, I was like, no, I've been sharing things for free for so long. Why would anyone, why would anyone pay me for what they can get for free. But I think about how much I enjoy supporting people who I get benefit from creatively. I think about how I pay for apples at the grocery store that someone grew. Like I think about how good it feels to be in reciprocity with people that we receive from. Um, and also how I'm not forcing anyone to pay me. I'm simply creating the option for those who want to. Um, but it's not easy because again, like especially like certain kinds of art, writing, paint, like creatives are so often taught that their work is not valuable and that especially the age that we live in, you can get so much for free. So a lot of people feel like there's no there's no place for asking people for money for the work that they do. Um, but I think it's, again, it's like an act of rebellion to choose to value the work that you do monetarily, to choose to value the time that you put into your work monetarily, to choose to let yourself receive when you may be used to giving in a lot of ways, um, which I think a lot of creatives are. Mm -hmm. And again, I don't say this as an expert because it still feels a little uncomfortable for me. And I still, uh, get like really sensitive when I get pushback about it or when people ask about it, even my dad the other day was like, so if you share your stuff for free, like, why would anyone pay you? I'm like, uh, I'm not going to go there with you, <laughs> but it's like, it's just this narrative that's built into our culture too, that why would you pay someone if you can get it for free or why would you? And I just think that that needs to change. Um, and I think the the article I shared was by Cheryl Strayed, mm. um, who also has a stub sack. And she was talking about how important it is for writers in particular to get paid and how, how long we have spent in our culture not valuing the work that writers do. Um, and it's something that I'm still working on internalizing that it's actually okay to not even force anyone, but to create the mere option for someone to choose to pay like $6 or something, like not even a big amount of, <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I'm still working through these narratives too, but I yeah. do, it's like, I hold the value that art is valuable and that the work that goes into creating is valuable and deserves to be compensated. Um, so it's like, how can I put that value into practice with myself mm -hmm. um, and with the people that I want to compensate for the work that 
that I receive from them. Yes. Um, yeah. No, that was beautiful. I loved at the beginning what you said about how de- how delightful it is to be in that relationship with an artist you love. Like how delightful it is to pay a creative I love to do what they do. It is delightful. Like it's so beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, when we put a price on our work and when we say, hey, <laughs> I'm part of this now, like you can pay me for my work. It's also delightful. We just have such like negative language around this whole like money exchanging business. And I like this idea that it's actually a fucking delight and it's beautiful. And it's so like, oh, I don't know, there's something about it. And I'm really learning to change my stories here too. And again, it is so yeah. hard, but yeah, thank you. I really love that. I really love that perspective. Yeah, it's an ongoing practice for me, for sure. Yeah, yeah, me too. Every time I have something that I have to put a price on, it happens, it starts all over again. Um, but something that does help me is I know that this is how I, you're right, like my values are artists deserve to get paid. And there's no better way that I can put that into action than being like, I also deserve to get paid. A hundred percent. Yes. Yes. Even if it's uncomfortable. And Even again, I think it's one of those things that like some people will judge it. Some people will yes. think that it's unnecessary and like those aren't the people that will ever <laughs> pay not, for your work anyway. They're not our people. They're not our people. We let yeah. them go. We let them go. So hard. Yeah, the, I think it was like a couple weeks ago, I was talking about how I was going to share like an email about how there's an option to pay for my Substack. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to my husband, I was like, that feels like too, it feels obnoxious, or I don't want, I don't want to bother people or seem like I'm, I, I didn't want to appear a certain way. Yeah. And he was like, anyone who sees you that way is never going to pay for your work. So like, don't not share to cater to those people who will never value your work in the way that your work deserves to be about like those are not the people to silence yourself for yeah Um, wise wise husband I also just love the idea that there's someone out there who thinks that like you Lisa like are trying to grab money from people and it's just like you just give nothing (laughs) of that (laughs) I, I yeah I don't think I could be further from like I don't think that I could be any less that if I try, really, really like couldn't. I need to learn to become more that. Yeah, you like do. I really need to. Like I have a lot of student loans I need to pay off. <laughs> I need to learn to become more that. But yeah, it's like no matter what you do, there's going to be someone who thinks that you're shitty. Yes. And that has so rarely does that have anything to do with what you're actually doing. Yes. I'm talking to myself here once again. <laughs> The Lisa to Lisa podcast. Yeah. Um, okay, great. On that terms, do you want to tell us about your sub- sub stack and what you're writing there and how we can be there with you? I am there with you and I love it, but let's, do you want to let people yeah. know? Yeah, it's called Human Stuff. Um, that's what my newsletter has been called for a long time, even before I moved to Substack. And yeah, every shun- every Sunday, every, every Sunday. Sunday. <laughs> every Sunday I share, um, like a Sunday letter and links and recommendations. And then, um, once a month for paid subscribers, I share, um, a reflection guide that just has, um, questions and explorations and things to journal about things to have conversations about things I'm thinking about. Um, yeah, it's a really sweet place and, it's felt really good to, to be in the practice of sharing there, even, mm-hmm. even for folks who just subscribe just to read the Sunday letters and yeah, don't yeah. pay for it. Like it's, it just feels really nice to have a place off social media mm-hmm. to share in a regular way and to be in the practice of writing, um, mm-hmm. and like pushing myself to keep sharing, which like I said earlier is something that I need to be pushing myself with. And I think having the regular practice there has really helped with that. I love that. I like you saying it's a really sweet place. I don't know why that just really, it is a, the sweetest, like loveliest place to go and think about things in a safe, in a safe way. Like your Sunday letters are just the sweetest, be most beautiful place. And I'm so grateful for Aww. you letting yourself be seen. Thank you. I really, that means a lot coming from you too. That means a lot. I feel like it is weird that we don't like know each other it is weird because I feel like we do but (laughs) yeah like your work has been such a support in that and I you've been so encouraging from afar um in so many ways of 
yeah, for me to like show up and share and be seen too in my work. So I, mm. I want to thank you a lot for that. Cause I, I don't think, you know, like the impact that you have on people that you may not even know have been deeply mm. impacted. Um, thank yeah. Thank you, Lisa. Yeah. Ugh. All right. I'm going to wrap this up. I'm upset about it, obviously, but I <laughs> we'll have to do it again. We will. And I will make sure to put all of Lisa's details and the Substack information in um, the, well, I'll make James do it in the, whatever you call it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but thank you, Lisa. Thank you for being here. Thank you for chatting. And thank you for letting us see you. Yes. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much.